I'm Amy Shields. I'm Mark Frost. Hi, I'm Kimmy Robertson. So our Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the book, is currently out at bluerosemag.com. It is $19.99, so get your copy today as supplies are very limited and will be running out very soon. So if you haven't got your copy today, go to bluerosemag.com today. Thank you for your interest and for your enthusiasm and, and keeping Twin Peaks alive. Welcome to this week's edition of Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Brian Kazaska. And I'm Ben Durant. We're going to talk about the autobiography of FBI agent, special agent there, Dale Cooper, My Life, My Tapes. And we've got a guest on the show today, Andy Bentley. Hey, Andy. Hey, guys. I know you've you've been a listener of ours for a while, and it was like last, around the time of Halloween, place a both wonderful and strange concert, the Laura Palmer uh, event there, and you were there, and we met in person. That's right. Very oh, cool. That's awesome. That was pretty neat. I know it was brief, because I, I know that you had things to do, and I was running around trying to record people, but I, it was cool to actually meet you in person. Yeah, and I enjoyed that show. We just, uh, we had to split. I knew you were going to try to get some audience uh, feedback, and I would have loved to have done it, but uh, totally. I'm here now. So what's your background? You're, you're clearly a, a Twin Peaks fan. T- tell us about yourself real quick. I am jealous of you. I mean, to watch it when it actually aired would have been something special. But mm. I didn't get to it till college uh, around 2001. And, you know, in college, you know, you're getting recommendations about all sorts of interesting art to check out and books and things like that. And I'm a comic book guy. And this came across my radar. And it was a ritual of my my me and my roommate we would watch a couple every weekend and we were renting them from vhs tapes from hollywood video because <laughs> wow. i think the gold box set wasn't for another uh another two years and we had to figure out the european pilot i don't I, maybe i got it on a cd or something but uh, a little dicey but i distinctly remember getting to the last episode and josh my uh my roommate he was a big boisterous guy and he jumped off the couch and he said, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't have, I didn't have much to tell him. I, I, he started rifling through VHS tapes and I said, well, there's, there's a movie, but you know, as, as you guys have covered, it's kind of, it is a continuation and it isn't. But um, mm. Ben, you're kind of similar to me. You approached it with a very much of an analytical mind, mm. you know, in the beginning. Yeah. In 2001, the only thing I had left is to just do a deep internet dive. And I read up on the old alt.twinpeaks forums and oh, yeah. you know FAQs and stuff like that. And it was right around then when I discovered there is this autobiography of Dale Cooper out there. Yes, and so, that's what we're talking about today. Totally. And like, so I'm trying to figure out when it came out, even though I picked it up on day one. On the web <laughs> here, I'm fi- it's saying April 1st, 1991. It'd be funny to be April 1st, which is Fool's Day, which also happens to be my actual birthday. birthday yeah. So it's like, so, no. <laughs> so the thing is, like, did I actually pick this up on my birthday? I don't Knowing I mean, you, Ben, yes. I know, but you think I would remember that. I don't remember when I picked it up. You think that would have been something that I love Twin Peaks and I would actually know. But that's what I have April 1st, uh, 1991. And the interesting yeah. thing about this is 
In February of 91, it went on hiatus. So we had – the show was in trouble. And then I think it came back. And then not too soon after, April, mid-April, I think the show had gone off again for another hiatus. And it wouldn't come back till the last uh, movie there or two episodes. So it's inter- it's not a good time for this book to come out. No, what I, I wrote you, I said, you know, that it's often overlooked by uh, people as compared to the – Diary of Log Palmer, and it makes sense because you know that book came out in the middle of the summer, and the huge mystery is going, and people looking for any sort of clue. But as you said, this is not a great time to be putting this out. Yeah, and this book was uh, written by Scott Frost, who happens to be Mark Frost, who's co-creator of Twin Peaks. That's his brother. He also did a couple of episodes of Twin Peaks, Scott Frost, and he did the 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 tape, the audio cassette tape of, of Cooper. So uh, it's kind of cool to have somebody that's close to to Twin Peaks writing this book. It's like the relatives did the books. Yeah. And he actually, there was an interview in Wrapped in Plastic magazine number 73 with Scott Frost. And he basically said everybody else was busy writing scripts. So he he was stuck with basically making this book. Like nobody else had time to Mm. do it. So I thought that was interesting. You know, essentially it's it's found media very similar to Hmm. uh, Laura in that it's written like it's media from the world mm. and from what from what we're hearing about that's what we might be getting in October yeah with Mark Frost's new book yeah. I agree it is kind of interesting you're right it, you're right this found media is basically Scott Frost is collecting collecting all of Dale Cooper's tapes yeah. and, and he's got a little bit of interviews with friends like there's of, let, of, like of they Dale, wrote yeah. yeah yeah it's true isn't that it, that's really fascinating that uh, that all it seems like all the the books are found media I but, hope this new book though is more of a story but it could play in that same aspect I guess I mean yeah. how would they do it I mean how, they found more tapes of Dale or so you were, see this, this thing. Know? See Brian has not. Uh, Brian has stayed away from this stuff. There has been some leaked stuff about this. Uh, yeah, I did hear it's going to be about. It's going to be following a female. Okay, so you know some. stuff. I know some stuff. Yeah. So okay. it, it would be interesting if it's like the female is. It's like that person's like notebook or something and following. Yeah. It would yeah. be kind of cool if it was more traditional storytelling. Right. For the new book, I would like to see, but. So it starts, I mean, it starts off with uh, Cooper at a young age. Like, he's still a kid, and he's kind of has, like, reel-to-reel where he's recording his everyday life. Yeah, I did like the beginning. Um, it felt very comical about how he, 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 you know, he couldn't go outside without an extension cord. And it was really <laughs> cute. It was cool. I liked it a lot. I got a vision of that, that little Dale running around yeah. trying to pull the cord. <laughs> That's funny. And his neighbor, his neighbor's like uh, airplane crashes, and but it was cool. Um, it to me as a progresso, it felt like less than him talking into a mic and more of a diary. It became almost more of a handwritten diary feel to it hmm. until he gets his. He becomes Dale Cooper when he becomes the FBI agent. We all know from the show near the end of the book. Then I, I, I envision him with that recorder again. Yeah. But to that in that middle part, it almost just feels like a written diary. We're definitely not going to go through every entry. I think we should do things that yeah. are, are interesting to us. Not too long after he starts recording that we discover that uh, his mom is having these dreams. What oh, do, yeah. Let's dig into that. What do you think about that, Andy? Yeah, I, I definitely picked out very quickly on the dreams. And, you know, the dad is funny. The dad's like this kind of left-wing nut. <laughs> <laughs> At some point, Dale goes, maybe I was, you know, dropped off as a on their steps. From the gypsies or <laughs> but, something. Uh, yeah, I think it yeah. was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
but you don't get much from mom. You get that, you know, she's sad mm. and you really, you really don't get much other than the dreams that she has, which, you know, they're creepy. Yeah. There's this unknown force that's, that's after them. His dreams tend to then to start bleeding into hers. Mm. Is it Bob? Yeah. I mean, do you, you guys, do you guys Bob. think it's Bob? I, uh, well, to, to kind of take a broad approach, I think that whatever these spirits are, Hmm. I think they've been after Coop for a long time before yeah. he even got to Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah. Right. And this one of his early entries is uh, December 27, 3 a.m., and he's saying how Mom had another dream, and she mentions how um, there was a th- a thousands of birds flying in the sky. And it made me think of Cooper says, you know, I think in, in the first season about how he hates birds and stuff. Oh, and maybe that was yeah. Waldo when they were feeding Waldo. Oh, wow. he, he, I say, I hate birds. Yeah. And an owl is, I don't, it's always, I always forget owls are birds. Of course they're yes, birds. Yeah. But yeah. So I think about the owls are birds and that, may, that could they be having dreams about owls as well? And, yeah. And from far away, you wouldn't know the difference really. Right. But yeah. So yeah, I like that. We should go continue with that. There does seem to be a pattern here that something is after Cooper. And how I mean in the show you never feel that he is the driving force of the evil you feel it's he's coming in and you don't really I, like I never thought it, it's all because of Cooper until Wyndham Merle shows up and then you found out Wyndham Merle was trying to do all this stuff in the past mm-hmm. and but when you read this book you're like oh, this is kind of a different Cooper it, it's, yeah. it's yeah it's like this evil has something been following him and mm-hmm. all these people are dying around him yeah it's it, he kind of had a bad life, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He had, he meets death very early, you know, death of his mother, death mm. of his grandmother, death of a, a, a friend, mm. that very creepy scene in the uh, alleyway yes. where he just senses that there's something like right behind him. Yeah. And there was a pencil or there was something like a, something he left in the alley. He said he saw like a figure in that alleyway and he walked towards it and it disappeared and there was like a pencil or pencil marking but so, they never referenced it again. Right. I don't was at the same time where there was like laughter. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He thought it was crying or something and it became laughter and I was sort of like here we have this some symbolism of fire. Yep, fire uh, comes up. Yeah, fire, electricity. Fire comes up a lot. Electricity, electricity and comes fire up and that brought me back to Firewalk with me with the yeah. whole electricity. Yeah. Um, there's, yep. a, there's a guy where um, he, he went to go visit him, and all of a sudden, uh, the, that, that his, his apartment burns down. Yeah. There's fire. And the daily, there's fire mentioned a few times throughout the Who, book. Yeah, that guy. He was somebody he worked with that he was yeah, digging. digging holes. Yeah. He was digging holes, but. Digging ditches, yeah. Yeah, the digging ditches. And he never. He said he barely spoke. They would never speak to each other. And then he went to go visit him, and when he was leaving. The, the place caught on fire, and it's just like, what is going on with Cooper? Why is right. everybody dying around him? If you die, maybe you will be the last to die. Maybe you brought uh, the nightmare with you. And maybe the nightmare will die with you. From Wrapped in Plastic that, that David Lynch contributed was he wanted Cooper to experiment with his pea and asparagus, which isn't really oh. much to the book. But the asparagus line makes me think of Laura Palmer saying, I don't like asparagus. asparagus. I think it was in the pilot that he was reading the diary. And it's like, oh, isn't this funny that both of these people are talking about asparagus in their own ways? Yeah. But, yeah. And I also thought about I tried to, some reason I kept on connecting Laura Palmer and Cooper. Like, here's, you get to see them both at a young age. Laura seems very comfortable with her sexuality. Cooper seems He's frustrated and he's having he's not getting enough or something. There's a um a scene in the book where he does talk about having a dream 
and there being a little man and a beautiful woman. And I'm mm-hmm. like, is that is that the first time he had the Laura dream? He and didn't know who Laura so. was. Right. And we mentioned that the red room doesn't have time, so this could happen where it's it's it a premonition. It did seem like that was the dream, but it's funny that he wouldn't have remembered it when he went to Twin Peaks. But it does seem like he, there's that reference of yeah. a little man and a beautiful a blonde woman there. Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah. Would this be a good time to bring up his ring? Sure. Why yes, not? Let's talk about the, the ring. ring. Yes. yes. He has a uh, dream where he's visited by his mom, mm. but uh, she's, she seems different, much like dreams where people aren't exactly who they look like. And she's died so at this point. She was, oh, right. She's gone. So now she's a young woman trying to tell him something, but he's not able to hear it. She reaches out, touches his hand, and then was gone. And he wakes to find himself clutching a small gold ring in his hand. Mm. Does not know where it came from. And where it was, and he goes back to sleep. But then he finds out from his dad that it was his mother's ring. Mm. And when I found that, I mean, that lit off so many bells. I mean, it gave context to the ring that the giant takes and then yeah. gives back to him. And then all the ring stuff going on with Firewalk with me. It's like the same from, like, Laura Palmer has a dream, and she wakes up, and she's holding the owl ring. Yeah. So the timeline is, this is this is before they even wrote the script for Firewalk With Me. So was, did Bob Angles and David Lynch, when they were writing the, writing Firewalk With Me, did they use this? Because it's interesting that it's just the same. It's the same thing where they have a dream, and you wake up, and you're holding the, the ring in your hand. So, I yeah, don't know. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, it does. It, it puts a whole new layer to... Uh, to the season premiere of the second season with Cooper giving his ring to the giant. Albert, my ring is gone. One day here, the next day gone. So? I'm glad you're with us, Albert. We need the very best. Scott has the, has the advantage of going back to scripts, going back to the beginning of the first season and, and tying that ring to his past. Gotcha. Yeah, this book would have worked really well before the season opener of season two. Yeah, it would have been. I think so. I agree. Yep. Yeah. Because it does seem like, I mean, I do feel like the second season we do get to hear, it, it's more about Cooper than Laura, especially the second yep. half of, of, of the of second season where we now have Wyndham Earl. Wyndham Earl. Agent Earl. He's retired. Yeah, to a nice comfy chair, complete with wrist restraints at the local laughing academy. What happened? Nobody knows. Your former partner flew the coop. Coop? Yeah, I remember when we were watching it, he does mention he escaped It's all setting up for the season, yeah. Yeah. And now we know that David Lynch didn't like the character of Wyndham Earl, and it's interesting that this book came out and Lynch, right. he, Lynch, so Lynch did have some uh, notes for it, but it's interesting that he allowed the Wyndham Earl character to, well, I guess well, it's part it, of the what's, story. What's interesting so. with the Wyndham I mean, I think, Andy, you would agree that this Wyndham in the book is a little different than the, the show. I mean, he's, he's a little darker, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, he's, he's terrifying. He's like a, he's the Joker to, mm. you know, Coop's Batman. Yeah, yeah. Mm. He really is. He's menacing, and he, there's not really silliness and goofy. And he's not putting any costumes on. I, and, <laughs> oh, no costumes. No, no, no. Do you? Here's the thing. Like, I feel like if I'd read this book before watching season two, and I got a, uh, I made what Wyndham Earl in my head, and then I saw him in screen. I saw him in screen first, so the entire time I'm thinking about that guy. Sure. And it's, it's so hard to take that out of my my imagination now. Yeah. 
and I, granted, he is more of a villain in this book, and he is like menacing. But I still got that weird, kooky guy in my yeah. head, and it stinks because I wish I didn't, I had a clean slate of Wintermerle. Like right. I went in like Wintermerle. I don't know what he looks like. I can make it up in my mind. Yeah. So Cooper has a brother. We learn in the book, <laughs> Emmett. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and I think that um, he, he hasn't seen him in twenty years. Well, he ran away. He ran away to Canada so yeah. he wouldn't have to serve. And it's interesting that when he does find Cooper does finally join the FBI, he, he thinks you know he's a traitor and stuff for you know, joining the. And he has a stepsister mm, from yeah. um, the the woman his dad marries briefly. Yeah. She, she leaves. She he's like, congratulations! You're we're having a bit. Ba- you're having a baby brother or sister, and then like a month later, <laughs> you're not having. A baby. He she ran off with the uh, the photographer. And- <laughs> I say going back to your uh, Wyndham comments. I think if you watch it a second time before season three, yep. it'll be interesting. I think you'll see him differently after I finish reading the books, and um, I'm I'm going to rewatch the series. I think Wyndham Merle, you know, as much I know David Lynch didn't like him and everything, and Bob is way, I think, is a, a better villain, but Wyndham Merle is that yin and yang to Cooper, definitely. Yeah. So, And we don't know, I mean, really how much uh, David Lynch didn't like. I mean, mm. he threw out a lot of it from the, the, the script, the episode 29 script, he threw out a lot of it. But sometimes it would... He really did go over the top. Like in the, in the script, he'd start singing and dancing, and he'd just be really goofy. And it's like, maybe less is is better. Yeah. In the we we Wintermill, we we had two beats that the chess playing, mm-hmm. but the there was a whole dentist entry about how Cooper hated the dentist, and yes. that was hit Cooper going yes. to, to get to get that guy, and that was supposed to be that was a cut scene. Right. That was that was in the original script that really it was going to be Bob who was going to be a dentist, but there was going to be a whole dentist office where the dentist chair is considered a throne, and and Wyndham Earl wanted to be on this throne. Yeah. And so if, you do wonder. You're right. Like is the there book connected? Action, Dude, right? Right. Yeah. So I'm glad they got rid of it because everyone seems to be afraid of the dentist. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and, it, and I think it's I think Bob's scared scary enough. You don't need him to be like associated as a dentist. It's yeah. silly. There was also another reference of uh, Uncle Al, who's a magician, and he taught he taught Cooper how to count cards, which I think is kind of cool because we knew he counted cards in the first season there at yep. the end. There, and it was a cool little reference. And I, later down the road, I think he goes to a casino where he gets thrown out. Cooper gets thrown out for counting cards. And then he takes off. He's like, I gotta go. Very funny. (laughs) Yeah. One of the uh, the more effective uh, parts of the writing is when suddenly things drop out and you don't hear from Dale. Hmm. Uh, So, you know, like an example is nothing is recorded from 70 to 73. And I thought, well, is that maybe when he uh, learns his Tibetan methods? Yeah. 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 Totally, and and it's interesting you mentioned that in the, in episode twenty nine script, there's dialogue. It was cut out, but that Wyndham Earl basically said, "I know about your missing years." I think he was gone for three years, and yeah. I feel like that's another connection yeah. to the book where he's like, like something happened during that t- time period. It was, I guess, it was his, his enlightened years and stuff. And yeah. you wonder would they have continued in season three? Would they have gone back to that and said, "Okay, let's discover more about Cooper and his missing years"? I don't know, but it was it was definitely a tie into the book. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of my favorite, my funniest uh, sections is the sleep deprivation. Yes, <laughs> that was traditional Cooper. And yes, it felt very much like the voice of Dale. Yeah, um, I thought about that because I was like, in the show, you, you, he really likes to get his rest. And I love the fact that he used himself as an experiment to see how long he could not sleep. Yeah, I love that part. That's, it feels like a very David Lynch. I could see like a David Lynch directed episode where David Cooper spends the first 20 minutes 
or half an hour of him just testing out his stanima about staying up all night. Like, you could just see that play out on screen. You know, a whole half an hour of Dale staying awake. Nice. (laughs) They do, I mean, there's a lot of, like, little nuggets and fun things. Like, there's one point where he skips going on a bus ride and he decides he's going to walk home. And then finds, like, a restaurant where he has coffee for the first time. Yes. And he he does have bad luck, though. Um, All the females he meets majority, the first crush... His neighbor, she passes away. Obviously, we talked about his mom, but then that the girl, um, Marie. And then he ends up um, dating a girl who seems like almost on par with him. Talk about different coffees and stuff, but then come to find out she's an arsonist. She likes her <laughs> Nina, the arsonist. Yeah, she, she puts herself in the psych ward and everything. I think she might be the only one who doesn't die. Or has an issue. Well, she has an issue anyway. Yeah, it just seems like bad luck. He gets these women and he's looking for the one. And it really gives you an idea how he's a he's a lone wolf majority of time, but he's a chameleon in a way where he can he can become friends with anybody. Like he can he can fit in with anybody. And that in the show that gives you a really indication that He's good by himself, but at the same time, he can fit in with the people at Twin Peaks and um, befriend people and camaraderie, you know, and has a bromance and everything. <laughs> and I, yeah, I think the book really uh, shows him becoming his own man. Yeah, he's searching, searching for the man he's going to be. Yeah. Right. It is funny, in those missing years, his his best friend Bradley says at the beginning of uh, chapter, you know, part three, chapter one, he says about how, how D- Dale's a different person. And then and he quotes Dale saying, uh, damn good. And it's like the first yes. time you're starting to you kind of hear Cooper as we know him now, that he seems like yeah. more excited about the, the little things in life. It seems like we're kind of at the point where he's in college and mm. him and his roommate go out and the roommate drops acid or something and wanders over to the military recruitment. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I found it interesting that Earl himself recruited him to the FBI. Right. Yeah. And that makes you wonder, was Wyndham Earl trying to get him all along? Well, I mean, he like, says, I've been, I've been watching. When well, he sees him the second time, he goes, I've been time, following right. you the yeah. whole time. And that, that made me feel uneasy. I was like, so Wyndham Earl, interesting. Right. Yeah. He's all about the chest, chest right. piece, you know? And in that script, episode 29, there there is dialogue from him basically saying he always wanted Cooper. It's something like that. Basically, because he knew he was a good man and he needed a good man to bring into the Black Lodge to, you know, to to basically become all powerful and stuff. Yeah. So I feel like there could be, I mean, there's definitely several places in the book where it seems to be that Cooper, I mean, he's been after Cooper for a while here. Yeah. And maybe setting him up to, you know, fail, I guess. But. Yeah. He's unhinged from day one. Mm. Yeah. When we, we don't really get any sense of a rock solid Wyndham. No, not at all. Yeah. And then even in the TV show, though, you I mean, like, we have that um, Major Briggs is showing him video that he was he was crazy back then. I think, I don't know if that was from the 60s, but he was a whole thing where he was talking about the White Lodge. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. Earl was the best and brightest among us. But when our attention turned from outer space to the wooded areas surrounding Twin Peaks, he became destructively obsessive. Earl acted in an overzealous and secretive manner, possessive of his assignments, finally violent. He was removed from the project. I found this in the project archives. These, uh, these evil sorcerers, um, dogpas they're called, they uh, cultivate evil for, for, for the sake of evil, nothing else. They uh, express themselves in darkness, for darkness without leavening motive. Uh, 
Now this, this ardent purity allows them to access a secret place where the cultivation of evil proceeds in exponential fashion and with it the furtherance of evil's resulting power. The, the, this place of power is tangible and as such it can be found, entered and perhaps utilized in, in some fashion. The, the Dukpas have, have many names for it, but chief among them is the, uh, is the Black Lodge. You don't believe me, do you? think I'm mad, overworked. Go away. Yeah, so he seems like he's, been, he's definitely been crazy for a while. There was another entry where he met this girl, I think, at, at, a, at a school, uh, the girls' school, yep. and he then finds out that she's married. And, oh, I mean, Andy, yeah. So we do know later on that Caroline, he's going to have an affair with Wyndham Earl's wife, and we now learn from the book that this is the first time that he's... I mean, he didn't know... Unintentionally. He, unintentionally, but yeah. he still doesn't have very good look with good luck with the women there. Yeah, and, you know, I got... I don't know about you guys, but with Wyndham Earl's wife... That was so orchestrated by Wonder Merle, mm. and he fell in. Mm. I almost felt like he was falling in love with her because he realized no one was there for her, and he wanted to help because he's that kind of guy. But it's almost like when you're in a situation, um, he he probably didn't plan like I'm gonna fall in love with her. But I think because Wonder Merle was not around, he disappears. And Cooper is the only one there to help her, and like he fell in love with her on an emotional level. Like mm. I don't think they consummate a relationship till a little bit later on. With, no, he there's passages where he's he's very torn. Yeah, 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 and they they do consummate at one point because she's like, "I love you, Dale Cooper," and she actually puts that on his recorder. She's the one that leaves the message, and I think mm. it, it. Yeah, he was torn about it, and it it sucks because he. Yeah, uh, Wyndham Earl is so like horrible that he was pushing this to happen. Her name was Carolyn. She and I fell in love. One night, I failed in my vigilance. Attack was made. I wasn't ready. I was wounded and I lost consciousness. When I came to, she was in my arms. She, she was dead. She'd been stabbed. on the vagrant. Identical. The killer was never found. My wound healed. Wyndham Earl went mad. Institutionalized until his recent escape. So why is he after you? Harry. Caroline was Wyndham Earl's wife. you for her death. It's much worse than that. I think he killed her. And I think he committed the crime that she originally witnessed. If he's been following Cooper, he knows how easily he could fall in love with someone, and yeah. like he's such a nice guy. That seems to be his downfall. It's and he was say there was there was a whole um, training at, at, in the academy where he, yeah, <laughs> he yeah. was going to partner up with a girl, and she she in the training she got killed because he was he was so infatuated with her that you know. But but it seems again and again it seems like when he cares too much about a woman that's going to be his downfall. downfall. And yeah. Winter Merle, if he knew yes. about his training, he knew that this could be. His downfall. Right. That's interesting. There's a passage 
early on where he feels guilt that he didn't love Marie enough and she died. Hmm. And I was like, this is it. This is where, this is where it starts. Yeah. Right. That's true. Yeah. And it seems like he wrestles a lot with evil. And there's a, there's an entry in November 23rd, 5 p.m. He says, does the evil exist in a tangible form as, say, a germ? Does it float as a feather would on currents of air that bring life to the world, moving in and out of our lives? But he's, he, he, he wrestles with this whole idea of evil. And I, it's fascinating because, you know, it's, it seems like evil in the end is going to consume him when, when we get to the end of Twin yeah. Peaks that... But he wrestles with that, and I, I'm I'm fascinated by it. Yeah, I could jump yep. from person to person because I I feel like someone. But by him saying that, yeah. it's, it's like Bob possessing people. I mean, it, I mean, it feels in, to me like an entry of of possession. Yeah, I feel like in the show we are giving we're given a face, Bob. But I think without if this was Twin Peaks was just a book, I think evil wouldn't have a face like Bob. It, but it would just be you know something you know. And I think in a TV world, we're giving we're given a, um, a person to look at that's evil. But yeah, I think Bob is anything evil, really. Hmm. It represents anything to be evil. They're just giving it a name. But yeah, and Cooper has an internship psychology, yes. and he meets oh, yes. insane people. And there's one girl who that's the she's girl. Like possessed by the devil. And yeah, I... yeah, and he thinks she's fine. And of course, he meets her family, and <laughs> he, I'm like, she... is that the same one? I don't know. Yes, if it's, the same one. it's the same one. And she, she, I think so. She sets her the house on fire. No, that's another one. No, that's another one. Maybe all the women they meet are crazy. <laughs> Soon after he's recruited, he just says, I, I've been ex- assigned a secretary. I gave Brian my original copy of of this book, which, you know, I had for 25 years. So Brian and I were talking. Dog-eared, Dog-eared. one of the pages. Yes. And the, uh, the humorous part to me is it's something we've always discussed. Andy, I, I'm sure you listen to our show. You know my feelings on Diane, if if Diane's real yes, or not. Right. And my theory... Yep. Has always been. I, I, I mean, I entertain all theories, but I my, the one I really enjoy and I, I hope to be true, or is Diane might not be real, and it's just something that allows him to not feel alone. And mm-hmm. I wrestled with the theory: is Diane real or not? And you know, with Firewalk with Me, kind of made it feel like maybe Diane was is real, especially with the missing pieces. Yes, I mean, with maybe. the missing pieces, that Diane is a real person. So I, I've come to terms that Diane is real, and now reading the book. I've come to more terms that Diane was but a real person. But there's an entry that I that 25 years Usually, ago that I uh, dog tagged. Or yeah. Something. I think I know what you're talking about. So on January 10th, 11 p.m., Diane, I hope that you will not mind that I address these tapes to you even when it is clear that I'm talking to myself. The knowledge that someone <laughs> of your insight is standing behind me is comforting. And you dog-eared that one page. <laughs> and I was just like... <laughs> so both theories could stand true. Right. That Diane is his secretary, that these tapes, like, it's just him taking notes and that he has a record without writing it down, without spending all his time writing stuff. Yeah. But some, Diane could hear some of these, but he, he just, it makes him feel comfortable, not alone in the world. Because yeah. you do get a, a weird feeling that he is alone and he's always looking for that one. Mm. And, Diane just represents something that keeps them, you know, sane. Maybe Com- it's a comforting. Mechanism. It's a comforting. Yeah. yeah. They have dinner as friends at some point. Yes. So we're bringing that up. So yes. I twenty five years ago I felt this way. I still feel this way. I feel like there's some maybe some sexual language in that eating duck. I didn't get it until you <laughs> pointed it out. So like there is a reference to where he gets like um what's uh, the 
the sex book there. What's it called? Um, uh, Kama Sutra. Kama yes. Sutra from the woman, I believe, has the husband. And they spend the entire day in a hotel and they order Chinese food. And then Cooper and Diane go on a date and they have Chinese food. And I didn't get the impression. It's not just Chinese food. It's like, uh, it's like without a doubt, the most delicious skin I've ever eaten. Firm and all the same time <laughs> delicate. And the meat it takes on a flavor when it, I slide it into the into the, into the mouth. Well, I couldn't get enough of it. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe she really is like Cooper, and she really just enjoys life. But it's like to take that to spend that much time on talking about this duck. And maybe, maybe it wasn't a good date, and that's all the, the thing she maybe. could focus on. But maybe you're right. Maybe that was an innuendo, but it leaves it up to the imagination, right? Yeah. Like you, you take it one way. I took it that. But maybe there was something there because he later does say we take different paths in life. Mm-hmm. So she. You know, he realizes they couldn't be together. Maybe. And it's interesting. Before that, uh, Cooper's basically asking Diane out. He's like, Mm -hmm. I know we shouldn't mix mix things private and public, but uh, would you mind having dinner with me? And it's (laughs) like, "Uh, why does he have to say that? If if it was just if it was just a um, a regular secretary, you know, business relationship, why would he even have to say? Let's have dinner. You know, like, why would he have to even question that? What what do you think, Andy? Do you think Diane is real and in the context of, like, the whole world of Twin Peaks? I I tend to lead toward that, yes, she does exist. But I do like your idea that she she may not be listening to all this. (laughs) And uh, yeah. Yeah. I have I have Peaks friends that also when they saw the missing pieces they really didn't like they thought that scene was very much off where he's doing the calisthenics. I agree. Speaking to her. They don't like, they, they're like, ah, that doesn't feel Cooperish. Not so again, all. there's him being very, very kind of off when he, uh, when he interacts with her. I directly. agree. I think the same way. Yeah. yeah. It was an, it was like a cartoon moment. He's very yeah. cartoonish. Yeah. He's not, yeah, he's, he's squatting or he's going up. He's, yeah. He just, he just seems off. Yeah. There. I agree. I mean, I think it, it, <laughs> I remember reading the script first. I mean, like I waited over 20 years to see those deleted scenes. Yeah. And I remember seeing the scripts like, oh, we actually finally get to see what <laughs> Diane looks like. And then to actually see that and realize they're just showing Cooper in the doorway. But yeah. it wasn't, I, I didn't really like it. Yeah. But. So I, you know, what else I wanted to mention was interesting is like what I liked about the Laura Palmer diary was you felt like the town was all there. Like you, there were a lot of different characters that you remember from the TV series. It was like 80 pages or so before Wyndham Earl showed up. So you had like 80 pages of just Cooper as a kid and you didn't get any really, any other flavor of Twin Peaks. So I, I think to me it kind of too long to get to Wyndham Earl and then to Diane. And then there was a brief mention of Albert and is is he, why is he so angry? And yeah, stuff. But yeah. I, I, I kind of, it's hard yeah. because it, Cooper is an outsider, but I, somehow I wanted more of Do Twin you think Peaks. they started the book too early in his life? Yes. Yeah, I would have actually loved to have more time uh, with maybe investigations with Wyndham Earl. Like, let's see, like kind of what you're saying, Andy. We never really got to see a sane Wyndham Earl. It would be interesting if if we could have maybe seen more of a mm-hmm. a good relationship between them. No, the two of them they investigate a bank robbery, but then that's when Dale takes his first life, so mm. he gets put on desk duty. So again, they're separated. That's true. That's when you get the first hint of Wyndham's mind because Caroline says something about uh, I hope that. Uh, you taking a life doesn't affect you the way it did Wyndham. Mm, yeah. Mm. What now? What do you guys think? So Wyndham Earl disappears, and there's all those murders. Where Where does Wyndham? Yeah. Wyndham Earl. We do know he he did try to go there. In the show, they mentioned it. Like, uh, are we he, talking about the Black Lodge? Yeah, the Black yeah. Lodge. So, like, 
So was Wyndham Merle in the Black Lodge, and were those murders? Those murders were Wyndham Merle. I would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and what the, I mean. And they were, they were high level criminals, and they were murder gangland style. Yeah, like grisly. And their hands were cut off. Right, and they weren't connected though. It would be yeah. like it, they, they were they were different. But they weren't even connected people. Like they, yeah, it made no sense, right? It was like the book would have been great if they did focus where he was like maybe out of high school in college, and we got into that stuff because I felt the ending was just like, here's some good cases. I'm thirsty for one good case. Bam, bam, it's over. You, it would have been great. They did more focus on the bigger cases it felt it did go by too quick near the end they rushed it it almost felt like when it got good yeah, it was yeah. over right and you you mentioned these uh, these murders it's interesting that the, the wrists were tied behind their back and it makes me think of sometimes my arms bend, bend back. back and it was interesting that yeah we oh it, oh and what do you guys think about the dream he had about the guy with no leg yeah, yeah. would that, that be pretty bizarre would and that was also a man a blue man or something no Okay, so, Andy, I don't know if you know this. I just learned this myself from David Bushman when we did our panel. Maybe, I, okay. maybe Ben, you've told me, but maybe I forgot, about how there was this whole thing when David Lynch would put something blue in Twin Peaks, it meant something. It wasn't just put there nilly-willy. Right. It meant something. It's significant. A blue There's, key from Mulholland Drive. Now, this book, we get a blue car that they're looking for hmm. that the killer has, near the end of the book and they find the wrong blue car and it was not the person but then the car was blue and it really was the killer the second car i forget the type of car um and there was a couple other times where blue was mentioned and i was i took note of that i was like so that's interesting they, they kind of kept with that color scheme in the book you know like yeah, they, that's, they, they, I think they, that's a good connection yeah and david bush mentioned that and i was like so when i read the book because I finished it today. I, um, <laughs> but I noticed, I was like, wow, that's interesting. Because maybe that's good continuity, I guess, you know? Totally. Yeah. Cooper goes away and, and runs into an old man. And he oh, says, we got to talk about the old man. Yeah. There is death in your face. Oh. There's death in your face. I can teach you nothing. And this old man, wasn't this old man teaching Wyndham Earl stuff? How to play chess, supposedly. And yes. he, this is where Wyndham Earl went on his honeymoon with his wife. Hmm. And Cooper goes there, and he sees him downstairs playing chess, and he goes, can you teach me? And the guy's like, no. They found out 24 hours later he hung himself, and he left yeah. a note. Or, um, what do you guys think? Do you think that note was... Was for Cooper? I tend to think so. Yeah, Wyndham has returned and then basically recommends him heading out to this uh, La Casa de Corazon. Yep. Mm. The House of the Heart. Hmm. Interesting. And Interesting. yeah, I think it's one of the most affecting passages in the in the book when he just finds that guy, you know, forgive me, I was a stupid old man. May God stop him. And mm. it's just like, whoa. What is going on here? I think Cooper's worried that he's talking about him, but could he be talking about Wyndham Earl? That like I I taught maybe I I shared stuff with Wyndham Earl and uh, I I've let you know I've let him loose and and now he you know maybe he could see Wyndham Earl in him or is yeah. there something a connection there right yeah, yeah like do I, I, it's hard for me to believe that Dale Cooper would oh, like this person would look at Dale Cooper and say there's evil I I just have a hard time. So I do have a note here. It's a long shot. Okay. What if akin to Agent Jeffries time traveling mm. who points to him and says, mm. do you know who that is? Yes. So the implication that perhaps he knows Cooper's fate. Could this 
wise old man also be connected to these mm. um, spirits? And is, does he know his ultimate fate as well? I like that. They could be the doppelganger. It could be his double yeah. or the evil, the evil Cooper he sees him as. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. yeah. And we're, and we're mentioning the whole, whole uh, man hanging from a rope. It makes me think of Harold Smith from uh, Twin Peaks, that Harold Smith died from hanging. So I always, I still sometimes wonder if Harold Smith had more to do with the spirit world, you know, than we are let to believe. You know, like, it, it, you don't really know, like, all we know is that he, his, his arm kind of shook a little bit and he kind of couldn't go outside. But I kind of always wondered if he, there was something more to him than that. Well, Cooper, we saw on the show Cooper's hand would shake. Right. Um, and then in the book, there was something about the hand shaking. Hmm. And I forgot about the Harold Smith's hand right. shaking. And in Firewalk too. With Me, there's uh, Teresa Banks' went, hand went numb yeah. uh, days before her death. Yeah, interesting. I didn't think, I totally forgot Harold Smith had that same thing. He does hypnotize Wyndham to try and find where, you know, where he was mm. while he was gone. And uh, two passages, uh, you know, what is, what did, what did you see? He says, Caroline saw it. What did, you, what did she see? Love and evil. Hmm. So that's kind of a play on our love and fear. Yeah. And can you take me to where they took you? No, why not? You can't get there from here. So hmm. the idea that there's like the sycamore tree type of hot spots in the world where yeah. you can access this. That's interesting. And I don't know if you guys ever heard of this. In real life, there's these people who think there are hot spots that ha they can lead you to different dimensions. Hmm. I I'm always wondered if Twin Peaks took from that i've heard people talk about another podcast and like in you know uh like ghost hunters and stuff like that uh where there's these hot spots that people believe can take you to a different dimension it's fascinating that twin peaks sort of hits upon that same idea yeah so, so i think Wyndham says love and evil which is yeah in the, in the tv show we're talking about fear and love do you think Wyndham Earl was love, yeah. do you love think Wyndham Earl was really under or do you think he was just messing with Cooper? A part of me was like, he's so evil that I could feel like he was pretending and he's just giving Cooper more, uh, just giving Cooper what he wants. I don't know. Yeah. Part of me no. feels like, is was Wendemarrow really under or not? Right. You know, I don't know. Interesting. So uh, Caroline gets kidnapped and when she returns, um, her blood tests show a high level of heroin and a small amount of another drug that they have not been able to identify. This is where I get, do you guys, like, oh, what's your thought? Like, why would Winter Merle take his wife and put her into a prostitution ring in New York? She's a pawn. Yeah. He's playing chess still. Yeah. And that, that drug, I believe that drug is haloperidol, which we've seen. Uh, Mike, the one-armed man, uses... This is Mike's drug, yeah. Yeah, this is Mike's drug. Then it's oh. also used on Renette in the hospital. It's also used on, on Major Briggs. That's what, what, that's what <gasps> Wyndham Earl is, is using to yep. uh, get information, information from her. From so so it's, uh. something, it's, it's definitely a drug that Wyndham Earl has used before, and I could see him using it on Caroline. Yeah, okay, yeah, it was a pawn. It, she is the pawn to get Cooper. I yep. mean, yeah. But it is interesting. He's use, I mean, he's using his own wife. What a jerk. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he had no problems killing people on the series. Yeah. I mean, he had no problems. Uh, yeah. Whatever it takes. Yeah. Joy that his dad meets uh, Gordon Cole. Yeah, that's good. Cool. Quick aside right. here. Yes. Because kind of Gordon Cole is kind of like a father figure to Cooper, I feel, like, even on the show. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's, right. it's a nice nod. Yeah, definitely. And, and so when Caroline comes back, she doesn't seem close with Wyndham Earl. It clearly, she, I think she knows that. Uh, Wyndham Earl is the person that's doing this, but she's in fear, or she's definitely not comfortable around a Wyndham Earl anymore. So, 
it, it, it very much reminds me a lot of Laura and Leland. Laura get, is very uncomfortable around her dad, yeah. and he will lash out, and she really goes inward. And then remember when Bob Leland is on top of her, and he's like, I thought you knew all along. Right. But then you have a scenario where uh, Wyndham Earl is doing this to his wife. She knows it's her husband, but she's in such shock right. that it's like she's uh, suppressing that memory. Right. And... Cooper is the only one that chip away and let her. I almost she's like scared. Like right. if I tell you oh, yeah. it was my husband, Wyndham Merle, right. I'm gonna die. Hey, great! And this is the quote for it. This entry, April sixteenth, uh, uh, two a.m. She said uh, she said she saw the face of the man that he was still coming after her and that she knew she was going to die. And this was her, uh, I think, waking up from a dream. But I think of the whole part of she saw the face of the man, and in the in the TV show. It's like of oh, the man that killed me, you know, like yeah. the face of the man that killed me. Yeah, but it's interesting that it's almost it's very close to what we saw in the TV show. It's like I saw the face, someone who killed me, Annie. The face of the man who killed you. He's does my husband. If this was a TV show version, would she been seeing Bob? No, she sees. I think she sees Wyndham Earl. Really? You don't? We don't think that Bob, the evil, has. What do you think, Andy? Well, I just wanted to bring up. You know, Ben, you told me to pay attention to the last uh, episode script. Yes. And in there, Annie Annie's doing something very similar. Hmm. She's saying, uh, "I had the most terrible dream. I saw the face of the man, the man who killed oh, me." Oh, that's what I mean. Right. It wasn't Caroline. You're right. I know who it, it is. Yeah. Yeah, the same man came at me, the same man who gave me the drug. It was Wyndhamdale. It was him all along. And he's so confused because it looks like Annie, but then it flashes, you know, back. And I caught you. Did you see, and you mentioned the word drug? Uh, in the script here, yeah. It says, I know uh, the uh, the man who kidnapped me, the man who gave me the drug. It was Wyndhamdale. It was him all along. Wow. That's wow. really cool. I mean, that's really kind of definitely goes back to this book. I mean, yeah. it's clear. And and a lot of that script in episode 29 there, the script had a lot more dialogue related to this case of mm. of, of Caroline getting killed. And like you had a point where Wyndham Earl is sitting down uh, confessing to the police. You had all these different scenes and they were just basically all scrapped for a different version of well, the Red Room that we have today. Interesting. But, but that, that's, a, that's a really good quote. See, it, all, it does tie. It does tie it all well. But it's interesting, but you, but you think about episode 29, like they had this book, they had this foundation, they knew where they were going, mm-hmm. and then you have David Lynch saying, I don't want to do <laughs> any of that. <laughs> forget it. Forget all this work of the book and forget all this stuff. I'm going my own direction. And in that, in, in the, another thing in the script is there's there's talk about his father. I mean, like he he's he's like in this warped version of the, of the Great Northern uh, guy at the hotel, and he then turns into his father. And there's this there's this conversation with Cooper and his dad, and I always thought in the script that oh maybe his dad had died, but in this book his father is still alive. He's still alive by the end of the book. But yeah. it's interesting that they were still going to play with that in the in the script version that they wanted to have some kind of relationship between Cooper and his father. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I actually thought his dad might yeah. die by the end of the book. Me too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and that, so there's another quote here uh, that I thought was interesting in April 20th, uh, 9 p.m. Before heading back to town, Wyndham told me that he believes evil exists as an independent life force, that it will eventually conquer good because of guile. So there you go. That's the other evil force right. that can just I mean, travel. And- Wyndham, but Wyndham Earl is supposed to be like almost like a mentor to him, but he's saying to him, I I think evil is going to win. <laughs> yeah, he does, say, he does say something similar to that later on where he's like, 
one person standing, it doesn't matter if he's good or bad. It was something to that effect, saying, it doesn't matter if you get the bad guy or not, or right. how, what side you're on, as long as you're the last one standing. And Cooper goes and says in another entry, love is stronger than evil. So he thinks Wyndham is wrong on this point. He does think, and that still plays back with the love and fear. I feel like there's got to be a good essay about fear and love, and they and it seems like they're, they're talking about this in the book, mm-hmm. that like, does love or evil or good or bad conquer and... If with true love, supposedly that will conquer evil. It will conquer all. But <laughs> as the saying goes, as the saying goes, love will conquer all. In the episode twenty-nine script, where Earl says, "I came in the door, there was blood on the kitchen floor. I followed it into the living room. Mm. That's where they were lying. I thought they were both dead. I knew that because I stabbed them myself." Nice. And we don't get oh, that in the book. Wow. I mean, we we get hints of it, and we learn that Cooper no. does think that, but we don't get. Here we get to hear Wyndham Earl's take on this. An yeah, alternate version yeah. of Twin Peaks, we would have heard Wyndham Earl confessing to stabbing them. Yeah, because in the book, yeah, they do say they, that she wasn't killed. She was killed in the bed and dragged over and put on Cooper's lap. Hmm. Yeah, and it's not really solved. He just kind of says, here's what I think happened, and Gordon Cole tends to agree with them. Right. Yeah, and there was no arrests at all. Like, they didn't... Right. Like, that's weird. That, like, I know he's crazy. Well, I think what happened was is that Cooper was badly injured, so he was out, you know, he wasn't really working the case, and they couldn't find any evidence, and Wyndham Earl is a genius, and he, he they weren't able to find anything on him, and he never confessed, he only had conversations with Cooper, so nobody else ever discovered that it could be Wyndham Earl. Well, they think, was there tape? He played a tape for Cole, and that's how... That puts him in the psych ward, mm-hmm. and he well, said, he's in the psych ward, I "Yeah, think and he said he, he he can never." And Cole agrees that he can never leave. That's it. But they didn't convict him or anything. They just put him in the psych ward and said, "Well, you're there." <laughs> um, but there was no like, you know, trial or anything saying, you know, convicting him of these crimes. And it's interesting. And he escapes well twice. Really, he escapes once, and then he escapes again on the show. I don't know if that doesn't. So course, I mean, he tried but... to escape, and they weren't. He wasn't oh, actually able to yes. escape. So okay. you see, he's trying to he's get trying out, trying to get but out. He wasn't able to, and he gets to write these crazy letters to Cooper, which is amazing <laughs> that they're allowing him to write well, to outside. Well, Andy's <laughs> right. This is like Batman and the Joker. Yeah, I mean, clearly, yeah. like this is the Joker villain where he's taunting Batman from yeah. prison from or prison, from yeah. uh, from the asylum. But uh, there's another yeah. ent- there's an, so Cooper is kind of a mess, and there's an entry where it goes into Cooper saying, "I don't know who I am. We search and search and always end up looking into the same mirror at the same reflection, hoping that we find something different." Oh, now that one. That's Holy deep. moly. It's yeah. deep because, of course, he's talking about trying to hope to be a better person, but we know by looking in the mirror, you could see Bob. I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 So after that, he sits out to San Francisco? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does he travel with his dad, and that's... Yeah, they take a trip together, and yeah. they, they. I think his dad is marrying some uh, random lady. He goes gambling, and <laughs> she's a weird name, like a hippie name. I can't remember what it was. It's like Starburst, yeah, skimpy outfit. Yeah, yeah, that might have been it. Dennis, Dennis is in in this. Uh, yes, or, are we learn, later to learn as Denise, Denise in the series? Da, the da that he uh, Cooper actually goes and works with them, and I think this is fascinating. They they go on a job where Dennis gets kidnapped, and Cooper then saves him. And to me, that's kind of I like that in a way because it gives you a backstory that hey. Dennis was saved by Cooper, and now when he comes to town in, in Twin Peaks, he's going to make sure he takes care of his buddy, yep. uh, Cooper, and stuff. So I thought that, that was kind of a nice That's touch. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in between, there's that whole case about uh, the gay men 
being murdered, hmm. which oh, yeah. uh, yeah. kind of comes out of left field, but has a very funny moment when Dale is uh, going undercover uh, dressed in leather, and he talks about how he enjoys the feel of the leather. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. that, again, just gave me another visual. Like, I could just see this happening in an episode. Him oh, just yeah. Dressed up with a... <laughs> And think, he's getting hit on. I was and he's like, how, that, he's like, how come this wasn't easy when I was in high school? Like, you know, all these guys are hitting yeah. on him. He's oh, yeah. like, how come it wasn't this easy before? Because you always struck out with the ladies. Even though he, every time he met a lady, he would be intimate with them pretty quickly. So <laughs> he wasn't like, he just had far in between the ladies, I guess. Yeah, he just had bad luck with them. Yeah, yeah. They died or they ran away <laughs> or something. But uh, why don't we go into uh, into the Teresa Banks uh, mystery? Yes, here. because uh, this kind of gives the fire walk sure. with me movie, right? I mean, Deer Meadow. They mentioned Deer Meadow. They mentioned Cable. Yep, Sheriff Cable. So the chief, <laughs> the chief. You know, in Fire Walk with Me, we get two other people that go into Deer Meadow. Yep. Chet Desmond and, Chet and Desmond. Sam Stanley. Yeah, it's a different version of what we saw in Fire Walk with yeah. Me. Yeah. What do you, What do you think of this, Andy? Well, it seems to be brought about by Kyle's hesitation to. To join the firewalk with me cast, right? That's uh, it's always what I've what I've heard. That right. you know, all right. Well, we've got Kyle for this many days, and we need to figure out all right the most important days or scenes that we need that is have to go to Kyle. So I think then Angles uh, and Lynch, you know, they come up with the the Chris Isaac and Keith Sutherland characters, right. But it's interesting, clearly Bob Angles and David Lynch, when they were writing the script for Firewalk Me, used this book enough to say, hey, we're going to use Deer Meadows, we're going to use Cable. Right. Even though Cable is helping him with the autopsy, he's hanging out with him, where it's a different version of Cable. Mm. They also go to a different cafe, diner, where Teresa Banks worked. She didn't work at Haps in the book. So I think there's definitely yeah. some changes, but clearly this was, they were at least inspired by this book enough to use some of the material for Firewalk With Me. Yeah. And... It does give you, you know, it does, uh, as much as, I know people don't, I, I don't know, Andy, if you listened or heard, read about John Thorne's dream theory. The dream theory, when I read this, it does give more validation to John Thorne's theory. I do, I, I the more and more I think about it, I do like it. That theory, this book gives it a little bit more weight, I think, because he does talk about dreams, and he does, and he does have dreams, his mom has dreams, he talks about uh, I can't remember the passage, but it was something where, you know, you dream about something where you, you, you're you different or you're, his mom looks different, right? So yep. in, in Firewalk With Me, you know, this, this, this happened a certain way, but in his dream, Firewalk With Me, if that whole beginning part was a dream, mm. he would, John Thorne's theory was he would make it where he looked different. He was different. Because uh-huh. it wasn't working out the way it happened. And maybe he would, because Dale Cooper, we can tell he's passionate about stuff that maybe in his own imagination he had to change it for a different outcome. And it's not like, I mean, we know that David Lynch is, does this in the future. We know that he yeah. did it in Lost Highway. We did it in Mulholland Drive. He does take these characters and make, turn them into other people. And so yeah. it's, 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 it's possible. It's possible. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Getting back to the case, when, when he ends with... It's, it's a cold case. I mean, It's a cold case. Yeah. And he says, Diane, as Gordon thought, everything about this has the feel of a serial killing. The question is, is this the beginning or, or of something or the end? And it made me think of Firewalk With Me where he's saying, uh, 
when or where will he kill again? So I mean, I mm. was, it's similar dialogue to me that where Dale Cooper he when Dale Cooper goes to investigate the Teresa Banks case, he can't he didn't couldn't figure out anything either. But he yeah. he knows that the killer will strike again. So him dwelling on this in his dreams could create a Chet Chet Desmond character that would be his alter ego. If you believe the dream, if you believe the if dream, you believe the dream theory. if you believe Thorne's dream, yeah, theory, yeah, yeah. I mean. It, like I said, to me, it gave it weight a little bit. I, I'm like, you know, I do entertain that theory a lot for some reason. I really enjoy it. Um, I need to watch the movie again because I want to have my own theory. But I do enjoy that dream theory. Yeah. yeah they, he also speaks to Diane. And you know, we, earlier in our discussion, we talked about, well, you know, this evil is helpful evil. Is it, you know, is it all connected? And he, he says to to her that there's something at work here that I feel like I've come into contact before. Call it an evil a sensation of old and a very dangerous that I've come into contact with three times before. Mm. Once in a small mountain village where I was traveling, I have to assume that's the 70 to 73 gap. Yeah. yeah. Uh, once in college, once in college, I think that's the alleyway. And then once was Caroline was killed. Bureau training does not cover or even acknowledge the existence of forces outside the physical world. Mm. Nothing in Western thinking does, but it is there. Whether it travels in the shadow of the night or slips in a gust of wind or carried around, in the soul like a serpent, waiting for its moment to strike. I know it is real because I have watched a good friend destroyed by it. Awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. Yep. I mean, I, I yeah. like that. That's awesome. I mean, you definitely see like Cooper is connected to the spiritual world, mm-hmm. and you definitely see that in the in the TV series that he is connected to the spiritual world. So that's a great quote. And I feel like we're getting close to the end of this book here. Yeah, the, the ending is is nice. I like the last couple, the last two entries. He's like, what is my purpose? Mm-hmm. If there's all this out there and I, I can't seem to prevent it, I can only seem to, you know, clamp it down a little bit. You know, why why was I put here? And, uh, you know, Ben, you've talked about the ending of Firewalk with me and, you know, maybe that is his purpose. Mm. And you have Wyndham Earl uh, writing to him again and basically saying, I-, I will make the first move very soon. So it's it's kind of yeah. cool to be like, you know. This is getting us ready for. I mean, we're already in the second season, but you now, you know, you know, Win and Merle is going to come to the uh, Twin Peaks, and they're going to have their their showdown. Even though they, you don't really get the showdown. I mean, that's interesting too, because I mean, I think the scripts, both in episode twenty eight, where originally uh, Cooper and Win and Merle were going to be on the catwalk together, and they were going to have some dialogue back and forth, and then you were going to have more dialogue in the last episode, and that was all cut. So I, I always think. Cooper and Wyndham never did get their real showdown between the two of them. Yeah. It almost goes full circle with, with you know, so Laura Palmer did show up in this book, you know, we don't, not by name, but in a dream. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like she has, for some reason, Cooper was a beacon of hope for her because ultimately he does save her uh, with the firewalk with me ending. Yeah. Um. So that's interesting that he one the one woman he's never met, yep, he saved in the afterlife somehow. Where all these other women had <laughs> he had problems with. Yes, either they died or something happened. But that's kind of interesting. It's kind of like it gives Dale Cooper a sweet ending in the movie. Yep, not the show. The show is kind of like the depressing ending because yeah. Cooper. Has it shows that he's had a, a long history with this evil popping its head up. Evil wins in the end. It seems and, like in the, yeah. yeah. And season three, I firmly believe season three is going to be about 
how does Cooper defeat this evil? Yeah. Right? I mean, let's how hope. Did, let's hope. I hope. And I almost feel will it be Laura Palmer that saves him in the end? I would or like at say, some yeah. point. That, that's my that's my hope. We were my wife, she has trouble with she struggled with her first watch through mm. uh Firewalk with Me. So it's just it, it's just a lot. And yeah. yeah. When you guys hit Firewalk with Me part one we sat down and we watched the uh, Joel Baco video essay series, mm, and she said, and it changed it changed her mind. She said, you know, I, I I'm going to give this another chance when we prep for season three. And it was that point I said, you know, I think it's my hope that he he eased her into this world, and now in the third season she's going to she's going to save him. That yeah, awesome. that's what I like yeah. too. Yeah. And, and in the script of episode twenty nine, that whole dentist scene, and and Bob is the dentist and he has a syringe and he. he it seems like the syringe is the way he's going to capture the soul of Cooper. But just as he's about to do that, Laura Palmer shows up and grabs his arm, and it seems like they're going to have a battle between Bob and Laura. And then, but then there's a flash of light, and Cooper and Annie are outside in in the sycamore trees oh. and stuff. But it was interesting that they, in the script at least, they wanted Laura to kind of take back control and maybe be more of a hero like figure. And I really hope that's what happens in the new series. I- I want to believe, yeah, in Lynch fashion, everything goes full circle mm-hmm. in some one way or another. If it takes forever to get there, it will get there. Yeah. And I do, I, I, yeah, I, I hope, Andy, you know, I agree with you. I mean, I really want to see Laura save Cooper's life somehow. And we know she's in the series. Yeah. Well, I yeah, mean, we, we don't do. know Laura well, Palmer we, is, oh, yeah. but we know she is in the series, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Cheryl yeah. Lee's in the series. And, yeah, could she play another random um, family member that looks just be, like her? She could be a redhead. I mean, there, was, there was talk. The redhead, the rumored. Yeah, yeah the rumored yeah. season three redhead back 25 years ago. I mean, it could have just been a joke that she was going to come back as but a redhead. But we all know she's in the Black Lodge. Yeah. And the Black Lodge is going to come back. And she says, I'll see you again in 25 years. So yes. it's been 25 years. And maybe, okay, so here's a, just a crack into that. I know we got to wrap things up. But the crack into that. <laughs> Was she predicting when she, that's Cooper being old? Cooper's yes. old. We yes. don't ever see that again. Where Cooper has the prosthetics to look old. So this is she, his dream, right? so in she's, his dream. is she saying uh, she knows that she's been in the lodge forever? So yeah. she's saying, "I'm gonna save you in 25 years." Who knows? She's just meanwhile. Who knows what's gonna I happen? Just, I don't know. I like that theory yeah. that yeah. she's gonna like help him. So, so the book ends with him heading into Twin Peaks. He says, "I'm I'm heading for a little town called Twin Peaks." That's pretty much how it ends, which makes sense. Yeah. The question now is: Is this book canon? And that is the question. What do you guys think about? Is this book? Should this book really be thought of as part of Twin Peaks series and film? Oh, you go first, Andy. Uh, oh, thank you. Yeah, I I like to think that it does because of the way it informs uh, Wyndham's character and the ring significance, mm. and because I feel Scott Scott nails you know the voice mm. of of Dale. Yeah, it feels you know legitimate. Now, if you're going completely analytical, you could say, well, you know the the Teresa Banks murder doesn't make any sense. And I, I just think that was logistics. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, if you want to apply a little Lynchian logic to it, just, you know, think of it as an alternate, a dream within a dream. Mm-hmm. Fair what, enough. And what do you think, Brian? Um, it's so hard. Like, yeah, are the da- like uh, I like, ta- David Bushman was talking to us about it. He feels like it's not. My opinion is, yeah, I could see it both ways. I could see it like you just take it as is. Mm-hmm. And it does... They have the uh, flexibility to go into the show and tie into things, but the problem was with Lynch. 
sometimes those things are going to change because yeah. Lynch might not feel the same way for the show. So the person who wrote the book, like, God damn it. Like, right. you know, I had it all match up, but yeah. now you change things. But that's what you have to deal with. So, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of feel it is kind of a, a canon. It is canon, but I guess uh, David Bush was mentioning the dates are all off. There might be something. Well, one thing that's definitely off yeah. is that, like, the murder of Caroline. I think in the series it's only been maybe a few years, four years, maybe, and it, I think it's close to ten years in the book. So there's definitely yeah, it's like eighty one. Yeah, some of, yeah. Wow. So, so that, maybe yeah. so maybe seven, eight years, years. but it's definitely yeah. That, so some of the dates don't match. I I still question whether all the dates match in the Laura Palmer diary, and mm. some people are going to say yes, they all match, but I don't know. But if I I think this is canon. I think first of all, it was it came out of uh, Lynch Frost Productions. Yeah, they sanctioned it. Right. The, the brother of Fro- Mark Frost, Scott Frost, wrote this, and so yeah. they had the approval. You have David Lynch. He's only talking about asparagus, but let's, let's do the <laughs> asparagus. asparagus. Yeah. But he still is contributing some to it. Yeah. So I feel like everybody's at least supporting, and I've never heard otherwise. Lynch mm. and Frost have never come out and say don't, 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 don't consider this book canon. Yeah. I mean, they could be like they could be like George. Lu- I mean, like Lucas Arts or not Lucas Lucas. George Lucas. Well, yeah, George Lucas, or even the company as is, and they can come back and say the comic books. No no longer is canon, and they could do that if yeah, they want yeah. to. But as of right now, I consider it to be canon. And I think in the book world of these stories, things are going to change. For all we know, the next book that comes out after season three airs, things could be mismatched. Sure. I mean, we we the book is written probably during the production of the show, so there is a really they can connect things and mm-hmm. make it solid. Where these books came out during production right. where things were constantly being changed and Lynch coming in changing things. Yep. So yeah, I I think you're right. But I mean it is canon, but you have to go with the fact that Lynch changed things yeah. that would have changed the book and the dates were somewhat off, right. but and I still think it, yeah. it seems clear to us. I think that Bob Angles and David Lynch, when they were writing Firewalk with me, took material from that. They didn't have they didn't have to go with Deer Meadows. They didn't That's have to. That's true. They didn't. Ha- there was stuff they didn't have to do if they right. wanted to change it. But they decided to go into this book and say, "Yes, that's where the Teresa Banks case takes place." Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I keep I keep forgetting the order how things came out. Right. But yeah, so Firewalk with Me came out after this book. Right. So, so this book was taking place while season second season was happening. In April, I mean, the show went off the air in June. Mm. A year later, Firewalk with Me came out. So yeah, yeah. cool, cool. And I have to say, I, I was blo- I was blown away by that clip you guys played at the end of an episode back, where Mark Frost explains how long this has been developing. Yeah, I think, and how many years where they didn't utter anything to a soul. I couldn't believe that. I know, because I'm That's trying to remember crazy. if it's been three years or three or four years now, right? I mean, I think it was uh, uh, Mark Frost did a little bit of a reading from uh, the new book. But yeah, it seems like it's been several years, and like, good for them. They actually, you know, wrote scripts. They did. They were able to keep it to themselves, even though there was always little hints that we, we'd have Ray Wise, who played Leland. He would always say, like, yeah, it's going to come back. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if he was just wishful thinking or what, but it's you're right. It was, it's amazing they were able to hold the secret for so long. But those guys... And mysteries are the best. I, I think it's anybody out there that could hold on to a mystery. It's yep. those guys. That's true. So. Well, I think we got to wrap it up. But Annie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, do you want to share with people if people want to know how they can get a hold of you? You're on social media. and Oh, thank you. Thank you both. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter at A-Buddha, A-B-U-D-D-A-H. And I have a... Uh, pop culture collectible toy cast called the repack podcast if uh 
anyone wants to check that out. Nice. And uh, this was a pleasure. I hope maybe I can uh, join you for the next book. Yeah, that'd be cool. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. for the next big book coming out. Who knows? Yeah, we can see what happens. Thank you, Andy. Thanks, guys. You can check us out at Twin Peaks Unwrapped on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're getting a lot more likes on Facebook. And uh, you can give us an email at twinpeaksunwrapped.gmail.com. And we're on, we're on every Wednesday. We've got a new episode, and you can find us twinpeaksunwrapped.com. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks. Joel Baco's journey through Twin Peaks audiobook limits itself to Cooper's time in Twin Peaks, but my life, my tapes goes deeper, documenting the triumphs, failures, and spiritual stirrings of the special agent from his early days in Philadelphia. The book is comical and action-packed, but with a dark edge. A particularly illuminating passage describes Cooper's chilling dream. Later, the boy's mother will die, perhaps as a consequence of these nightmares. She returns to her son in a dream, and he awakens to find a ring on his finger. This is the same ring returned to him on the show when he understands Laura's secret. In the book, we learn that Cooper's mother received the ring from her own father and wore it until she was married. The novel centerpiece unfolds on the gritty streets of Pittsburgh, 1979. We learn the details of the Cooper Wyndham Caroline love triangle. Before killing his wife Caroline, Wyndham kidnaps and abuses her while successfully hiding his identity. Cooper, assigned to help Caroline remember, fails to unlock this secret in time to save her. The parallels to Laura Palmer and her unfortunate cousin Maddie are perfectly clear. As a result, Cooper experiences intense fear, anxiety, and despair. The book ends with an entry written February 24th. 1989. Says here she was the homecoming queen. Bringing us full circle. Should be on the ground in 30 minutes, which will be about the time I empty my thermos. Although the pilot did mention something about a storm front up ahead.